This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Now, today we explore the topic of COVID-19 on pregnant women and what risk this virus poses with Dr. Mbume Zenda, who is a gynecologist and obstetrician whom her special interests are in sexual and reproductive health and sexual medicine. She is joining us on the show to unpack this topic. Thank you so much, Dr. Mbume, for joining us here on the COVID report. Now, may we start by dissecting what a high-risk pregnancy is and what conditions, diseases are common when a patient considered to have a high-risk pregnancy is. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, When we talk about high-risk pregnancies, we can look at things that a patient may have before they are pregnant, things like any underlying conditions, hypertension, epilepsy, diabetes. You also get, um, of course, things that developed during the pregnancy. Um, Things, again, you may get pregnancy-related hypertension or what we call PIH. Um, You may get diabetes that also develops during pregnancy, gestational diabetes. But other things also are like placental issues. If a placenta is not lying where it should be, it's lying too close to the opening where baby would come out, what we call a placenta previa. Then you get conditions, for example, complications of things like hypertension where the placenta separates earlier. Those things are unfortunately unpredictable most of the time, and and there is no way of telling whether it's going to happen or not. Also, you look at things like twin pregnancy um, uh, or or, or multi-pregnancy. So it could be twins, it could be triplets or more, whatever the case may be. Those are all regarded as high-risk pregnancy. So those are generally the things we consider as as high-risk. There are conditions, for example, things like an increased BMI it does pose more risk to a pregnancy than somebody who's got a normal BMI. Um, Then we also would look at things like the history. It could be a history of previous conditions or previous complication in in previous pregnancies. And I think last but not least, uh, age-related factors. The very young as well as the very uh, old Uh, For example, more than 37 years of age or in the teen years, those have a higher risk compared to um, women in their 20s and their 30s. Now, Dr. Zender, considering that we're in the midst of a pandemic, does becoming ill from COVID-19 increase the risk of miscarriages or other complications? And what is the risk of a pregnant mother passing the virus onto her fetus or newborn? Right. So this pandemic um, is, is quite an interesting one because we are living as the information is coming up, as the research is happening. So I think we must be mindful that not everything we know now is what is to know about the pandemic. A year down the line, two years down the line. 10 years down the line, we probably will have more concrete information um, because also the pools of the research uh, that, that is being done is done on probably very small uh, number of patients. Now, back to your question in terms of what are the risks or what have we seen so far? One of the things that's been quite um, uh, interesting is that we found a lot of pregnant women are not necessarily um, uh, um, showing a lot of them are quite asymptomatic. Um, which is something that is surprising considering we often thought uh, pregnant women are, are, are um, immunosuppressed. So we, we, there, was a, there was a point where we were, we were expecting that they would do worse off. But from what we've seen, 
they're not necessarily doing worse off. The women who are actually not doing as well are those who already have other underlying conditions, whether it's respiratory. So somebody who already is asthmatic is a patient that would struggle more um, compared to a woman who is not having an underlying condition. But also a woman who, um, um, for example, an operation, so any surgery, predisposes the woman predisposes the woman or any other patient this is not necessarily as specific to a pregnant woman any patient who gets uh, operated on whilst they are covid positive is at a more risk of complications than somebody who doesn't get operated on or somebody who gets operated on and they are covid uh, and negative this is particularly sensitive for us because there's a lot of times where women have to be operated on for obstetric reasons and it's an emergency so it can't wait so um plans and and processes must be in place at every facility to make sure that if a woman needs a cesarean section for example as an emergency there are enough facilities to be able to have her go to either an icu or a high care depending on what the complications are now, Dr. Zinda, could you share with us what are the current restrictions with antenatal appointments as during the pandemic? Right. Um, look, the, the, the one thing that I have the privilege of as well is, is being able to see what's happening at state hospitals, but also at, at um, a, a, a private institutions. And those can sometimes not necessarily be the same. In terms of the restrictions, I think what is important is that we must not compromise. None of the guidelines that have been improved upon or that have been catered for this current situation, uh, this current pandemic, compromise the mother's health or the baby's health. So the quality of care is still the same. Um, and, and, and so, I mean, you, you spoke very importantly about the high-risk women. We don't change, we don't alter a lot of things in regards to the high-risk women. But in terms of the normal antenatal, if somebody is a low risk, so generally we would see a woman every four weeks up until about 28, 32 weeks, then we start seeing them every two weeks. Just to minimize the, the contact of them being in a facility where they are more likely to contract COVID. And um, we've got guidelines where we can extend that. But there's also not so much in terms of restrictions, but just a limitation, if I could put it that way. Things like the number of people that are usually allowed, for example, an accompaniment. There are institutions that have said, look, to reduce the number of people that are coming in and out of an institution, uh, rather the mom comes in by themselves. So that may not necessarily pose, uh, um, it, it's, it's a good practice um, when, you, when, you, when you weigh the benefits. But it's obviously from an emotional perspective, from a supportive perspective, because it's not just about for, uh, you know, what is good for the institution, what is good for the woman in terms of the clinical side of things, but emotionally, um, the patient does feel a little less supported when their partners are not allowed to come inside the institution. Then, of course, the areas that are also quite sensitive are things like um, during delivery. Generally, women, when they are uh, uh, delivering, they have to be in labor for, for quite a number of hours. That is time. Uh, a lot of institutions would allow their uh, partners to be present during those uh, um, you know, periods, but we are having quite a lot of restrictions in terms of visiting hours. At the moment, most institutions 
really only allow the partner to be to come in and even if the partner is allowed to come in there is a request that they ha- they be tested um uh, uh, prior to to coming into the institution so there are a lot of dynamics there are things that are quite um sort of like strictly there to protect the mother and child but there are things that are more institutional you know depending on what kind of facilities we are looking at and going back to the pregnant mothers how was covid-19 managed during pregnancy and does spending times in the hospital after delivery increase the risk of covid-19 exposure right so so um and and i mean i get the privilege of you know um you know teaching interns and and basically interacting and 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 working with a lot of, of of different you know levels of care whether it's at the antenatal levels in terms of clinics and so on one thing that we keep reiterating that covid-19 should not be a reason for us to uh, give substandard care should not be a reason um to to give a less than obstetric care um in 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 my and this is more an opinion and observation women are more likely to still die from obstetric conditions in our institutions rather than covid so whilst we are looking at covid we must not forget the things that are top uh, uh, um killers of mothers who are pregnant and we cannot even move our eye from those things it is so important um that that we don't we don't move from from say you know just because we're going through a pandemic and and the necessary measures must be in place but none of those things must compromise the kind of care that is being given to women um from an obstetric perspective 100% and what are some of the outcomes of covid-19 patients when delivering their babies have you seen or experienced this oh yes um i'm i'm often pleasantly surprised by even women that we have seen that have had complications it was not complications of that are related to covid and this is by no means undermining or underestimating what 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 could happen again like i said earlier on um it it's an ongoing learning process for for everyone um and and revelations in terms of the outcomes of patients but um from from what we've been seeing um a lot of mothers do very well a lot of pregnant women funny enough they are quite asymptomatic it is those who already have things that are underlying so it's 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 been really a a a pleasant surprise um a most welcome one because we always think about this is not just looking after one patient it's two it's the mother and it's the baby um and i think where we we are more um seeing um you know things are not the same is more from a psychological perspective um and maybe not floral in terms of you know depression but there's definitely a lot more anxiety around pregnancy women are more uh, um anxious about their pregnancies with the covid they are constantly worried about what if i get covid what if my baby gets covid what if this happens and 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 obviously by virtue of being pregnant it means you inevitably have to come into an institution so that as well um causes anxiety over and above that as as we've already mentioned the issue of not having the luxury of the accompaniment that we normally see um from family uh, um uh, spouse grandparents coming in and being able to witness and experience 
this amazing, uh, uh, um, you know, welcoming of a new member of the family. I think those are the psychological things that are really, um, you can tell that from patient perspective, it is causing a bit of anxiety. And after the birth, are COVID-19 positive patients advised to breastfeed? Is the recommended skin-to-skin contact still possible? Absolutely, 100% possible. We haven't seen a, uh, um, in fact, maybe let me put it this way, the benefit of skin-to-skin, the benefit of breastfeeding over, overrides um, you know, the risk of, 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 of COVID at the moment. That's what we have in terms of the guidelines. So we are still encouraging skin to skin. Um, of course, mom must take precautions of wearing a mask throughout the whole time. Um, and, and, and as, as, I mean, you, you can't socially distance skin to skin. It just, it's, it's a contradictory concept. Um, but like I said, the, 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 the benefit outweighs um, the, the, the the side effects, if I can put it that way. Now, during the pandemic, many have said the second pandemic we face is mental health. So in this time of the pandemic, what is the rate of postpartum depression in mothers during this time opposed to previously? Um, I think it is too soon, and, and, and I'll be the first one to say I haven't seen in terms of the actual statistics. Um, I, again, we have to be cautious in saying that looking at those kind of things and pushing it out as data, as research data, it does take time. Um, but like I said, obviously, we are more alert. We understand that women um, are, are, are likely to have postpartum depression um, uh, after delivery just because of the hormonal orchestra that, that takes place. Suddenly, a sudden drop in their hormones, um, and so they get predisposed. So somebody who already either had an underlying or some kind of predisposition to mental health. Um, but not only that, of course, like I said, the current pandemic is causing a lot of anxiety. So all those things are contributing. Not only that, if you think about it, um, this pandemic has exposed us in so many ways. The socioeconomic um, is, is also a, a, a sort of like a trigger for, for, for mental health. So rather than maybe being able to quote what is the, you know, the, the percentage of women, I think what is more important for us as clinicians is to be even more alert. It already is part of our protocols and guidelines to look out for mental health issues throughout the pregnancy and, and particularly even more so postpartum. So even we, we should even be more vigilant of those things and readily be able to, uh, um, or rather have systems in place to say, in this, if this happens, this is where we send the patient. This is where we send the clients. Now, Dr. Zenda, what is the key advice for pregnant women during this period that you have? Look, um, you know, and, and, and for me, I'll say this from both sides as, 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 as a clinician, as a gynecologist, obstetrician gynecologist, but also from a perspective of, of, of being just a, a mom, um, we should not allow this time to take away the joy of what, you know, the beauty of pregnancy. Um, and, and, and as much as possible, allow, obviously, with the precautions in place, with all the things in place, as much as possible, allow moms to still, at the very least, have a spouse um, um, or, or, or a, a 
you know, whoever is the accompaniment, just one person. Um, again, this is where, if we're feasible. But more than anything, the good communication between your gynae or, or, or your clinician, whoever, it may be a midwife, it may be a, 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 a gynae that's looking after your pregnancy, have clear communication and be in a position where you are able to ask concerning questions very often patients you know we run to google dr google first um, without and, and and that can even cause more anxiety because it, it doesn't filter much and it, it will give you pretty much everything and sometimes that is not helpful it's actually more detrimental than helpful so have a good communication with your gynae ask all the questions that are of concern um, but more than anything find a way to still enjoy the beautiful process and, and, and that you're going through as a pregnant woman. And lastly, doctor, you are a frontline worker, an essential worker, and one whose work we highly appreciate. How has this time been? And have you seen a decrease in consultations at your practice or that things have just been not normal throughout? Look, I think initially um, there was a lot of anxiety because I think we cannot take away the fact that um, we too are human beings. I am somebody's, I'm somebody's mother. Um, so, so, so there was anxiety. When there isn't enough information about a subject, generally that creates a lot of anxiety. And so in the beginning, there was a lot of anxiety, but that has you know, the more we've, 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 we've worked with, with the situation, the better it has been. Um, I think personally, what I can definitely express is that it's also been tiring because whilst everybody has been on lockdown, we have been working, particularly in the space of um, women's health, obstetrics in particular, pregnant women. Um, there is no, you can't take an off, so to speak. So we've been working around the clock pretty much uh, since the pandemic started, nothing has really changed. When we started off, particularly in level five, we, we, we obviously, um, from a guideline perspective, we're not seeing non-urgent or elective conditions, but pregnancy is not one of those. So um, particularly if you're practicing both obstetrics and gynecology, um, you might not have seen a lot of gyne cases or gyne consultations, but the pregnancy ones, you know, they pretty much just continued. So it has been a bit of a, a difficult, a challenging time. I think for most front workers, frontline workers, the one thing that they will say is we're tired. It's exhausting. And, and there is no kind of backing out because like you say, we are in the front line and most of the time people depend on us in terms of just alleviating the anxiety, not only just doing the work, but also just uh, reassuring and alleviating the anxiety. We've just been joined by Dr. Mbume Zinde, who is a gynecologist and obstetrician whose special interest is in sexual and reproductive health and sexual medicine. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or stream via www.vafm.co.za.